Morning, everyone. Our reading this morning is from Mark chapter 1, verses 8 to 11. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. We'll just pray for Math now as he comes to speak to us and brings God's word to us. Father, we thank you for this privilege of being able to meet together. And we just pray again, particularly for Math this morning now as he comes and brings God's word to us. We just pray, Lord, that he would be empowered through your spirit. We pray that all of us would have listening ears and that we would take in what the Spirit of God wants us to hear this morning. And not just take it in, Lord, but act upon it, we pray. So be with Math now. Help him, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to think back maybe when you got baptized or maybe when you saw someone uh, get baptized, if you haven't been baptized, uh, maybe think of where it was, who was there, like did you say anything or anything memorable happened or how long ago it was. For many people it's been in this building, which has been great. Um, I got baptized about three months after I gave my life to Jesus or decided to follow Jesus when I was 18. And the, we were, I, our church were meeting in a community center, so I ended up getting baptized. One of the people in the church owned a farm. I ended up getting baptized in one of those really big paddling pools in a farm in Hereford. Uh, so the water was freezing. So do it when, when we got these, the, the water heaters. For me, I'm just like, no, I want, you, I want people to suffer like I suffered, okay? So the water was freezing. And my, my, one of my main memories is there's a cockerel <laughs> on the farm, which literally just like kind of for, the, for two hours just kept on all the time. So I, I'll always remember that cockerel. So um, yeah, so that, that's when I got baptized. Um, uh, and and it was a special time. Uh, but for, for, as we look today, that's water baptism, but also it talks about a baptism of the Holy Spirit and a baptism of fire as well. And so that's when I was water baptized, but are, they, are, they, are we only supposed to have that or do different denominations have the others and we don't? Or if, if you think, oh, what, what does even fire baptism mean? So today we're going to look at Jesus' baptism and what, what he said, what John the Baptist said, and what these three areas look like. Because if you're brought up in a Pentecostal church like I was, and you hear the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you may want to do a little hallelujah. That's what you want to, may want to do. Or for some people, you may like actually water baptism. I'm comfortable with that. I know what that means. Or if you're not a Christian, or if you're here for the first time, 
And you're like, oh no, what is this guy going to do about fire baptism? Like, what's going on? You're checking out the fire exits. But this is what, what Jesus said in, in Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 8 to 11. Like Roger said, I baptize you with, or some translations say in, with or in water. But he, talking about Jesus, will baptize you with or in the Holy Spirit. And that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So he's talking about water baptism in this river. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. He says he, but we just hear about John's gospel. That's talking about John saw this. John testified that he saw heaven open, being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Luke's account says that the Spirit descended on him in a bodily form, like a dove. And a voice from heaven says, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So why water? Why did Jesus get baptised? And why do we or should we get baptised? Like I said two weeks ago, uh, this, this story is actually written in all four Gospels. So the baptism of Jesus is written on all four Gospels. And sometimes with the Gospels, it's almost like a puzzle that you need to like, look at the different pieces to get the full picture. So we're looking at Mark, but it's a shortened version where Matthew gives us a bit more detail. And last week we talked about water baptism, so I'm not going to talk too much about that. But why water? Well, well in Matthew's account, it says John baptised with water for repentance. This was for people who recognized that they were sinners and they needed to repent, they needed to turn to God, change their mindset and their ways and turn to God. It was a sign of repentance. Where today, 2,000 years ago, if you speak to someone and you say, oh, oh I want to become a Christian, how do you become a Christian? We sometimes say, oh, do this prayer called a sinner's prayer. Well, actually, the sinner's prayer in the New Testament was baptism. That's what the prayer was. You get baptized. That's what it was. So baptism was a sign of repentance, of the forgiveness of sins. But a great question is, I'm sure if the junior church would do answer this, they say, well, if it's for sins, why did Jesus get baptized? Like, if it's for sins, why did he? If we, if we claim Jesus is without sin, like, why did Jesus get baptized? But again, if you look at verse 15, it says, says, because when John saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. And then he says, like, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. Like, this doesn't work out. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even worthy to carry your sandals. Like, I can't, I'm not, I can't surely I can't baptize you. But then Jesus says, let it, be, let it be so, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And David Guzak, a pastor and theologian that I really like, he writes this. It says, it wasn't that this one act in itself fulfilled all righteousness, but it was another important step in the overall mission of Jesus to identify with fallen and sinful human beings. This is exactly what he did in his birth, in his upbringing, and in his death, a mission that would only finally be fulfilled at the cross. So your Jesus stood in the place of us, of sinful mankind. And in baptism, 
he confessed as his own sins which he had not committed. He confessed our sins, sins that he had not committed and repented of them before God on our behalf. It says he was numbered with the transgressors and bore the sins of many. So Jesus got baptized to fulfill all righteousness, part of all this that he fulfilled. So that's what water baptism is and why Jesus got baptized. But, but why should we do it? Why is this still going on 2,000 years later? Well, we started our series uh, at the end of Matthew uh, where it says about go and make, the series about go and make disciples. And it said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's saying, I'm in charge. Like, don't worry, I've got this. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be next to the right hand of God. But then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been baptized, uh, I've got quite a few of these books there. Just to grab one of these off me at the end, it's a, it's a great little book, Believe and Be Baptized. It just explains what it is, some verses, it's got some questions. And so that's kind of what we do. If someone asks us to, to, they want to be baptized, we say, that's brilliant. Have a, have a quick read of this, fill in some of these questions, we'll talk, and we'll arrange it as soon as possible because we want baptism not to be something that you need to reach a certain level, like, like it's the sinner's prayer. So we want baptism to be happen as soon as possible. But it says there, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But a question that I have then is, well, what, what's he, what baptism is he talking about? Is he talk, for us, is, like, is, is it just water? Is it only water? Or is it talking about the Holy Spirit? Or is it talking about fire? What baptism is he talking about here? Because some people ask me, especially when I go into schools or different things, they say, oh, Matt, uh, can you be a Christian and not go to church? Like they, they want the easy way out, basically. They like the, the heaven part, but they don't like the church part. So can I be a Christian and not go to church? And I answer them saying that going to church doesn't make you a Christian, but every Christian should be part of a church. So going to Christian doesn't make you a Christian, but every Christian should be part of a church. Similar to baptism, can you, be, can you be a Christian and not be baptized? My answer is, getting baptized doesn't make you a Christian, but every Christian should be baptized. So it doesn't make you a Christian, but every Christian should be baptized. But what baptism is, he ta- is, is Jesus talking about you? Just water, fire, or spirit? I, I believe that he wants all of it for, for all of us. Because it goes on to say this. Uh, if you look at Mark, Mark and Matthew, and I, have done, I, try to, I try to color code them. I can see the yellow, but because I'm colorblind, is it red and blue have I done that? What is it? Blue and gray. Gray, all right, sorry. So, so talking about the fire part, which is gray. Yeah, so gray. So if you're looking at the fire part, Matthew 3, 3 verse 11 says, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And 
with fire. So what's he talking about here with fire? Because I don't know about you, but uh, I, I, for some reason, I love fire. Uh, and even baptism of fire, for me, that sounds quite cool. Um, I, love, I love log fires in the house. Anyone love a log fire in the house? We used to have one in, in Swansea. I love log fires. I watch a survival programme every now and again, and they basically say, whenever they go into a survival programme, they say water and fire are the main things. They can last without food for a while. Water and fire. They say fire is life. And fire brings warmth, energy, life through cooking, um, light, all these things fire brings. So fire can be really positive and bring lots of positivity. But also fire is power as well, isn't it? Like if we, we've heard this last week, the, the steelworks in Botalba closing. What's been keeping that steelworks going? It's been the people, but that fire continually for, for years and years, this continuous fire has been the power in that place. So fire brings all light, food, life, but also brings power. And um, so that's the positive side of, of fire. But also the negative side of fire is it destroys things, doesn't it? Like if you see like villages or towns or buildings, there was a big fire in Bridgend by my, my brothers last week, and it just destroyed the industrial estate. Like the fire just ruined it, went through it, put it to ash. So you have this, these great things about fire with power, light, warmth, food, but then also fire destroys things. It takes it out. It annihilates things. And baptism of of fire, from my, from my understanding, is more to do with sin than anything else. When he talks about f- baptism and fire, it's more to do with sin. Like before I became a Christian, um, when I was 18, I became a Christian, and I shared before with you guys that from the age of about 12, I used to drink, get drunk, and, and smoke drugs. Probably about five or six years, every weekend or more or less every weekend. So we used to do that for like five or six years. So that was kind of a long time from a young age. And then, but then I became a Christian when I was 18. And I'm 37 years old. I know it's quite hard. Jacob says I'm still looking at my 20s. But I'm 37. So nearly 20 years on now. But since I became a Christian, I've never been drunk. And I've never smoked ever since that day. Never, never happened. And why is that? It's because the fire, when I, when I get, there's some kind of fire that burnt that out of my life. Like it destroyed it. Like it just kind of came in and then took it out. It destroyed it, it like ruined it. And it's just ashes, it's, it's no more. And there's, there's a room full of people here. And if you look on, online or we've read books, haven't we, where people have come to the Lord and like addictions have just been broken just kind of shut down straight, straight away, or people have come in and just um, miraculous things have happened and the fire of God has just burnt away sin, burnt away addiction, burnt away something, a habit, and it's just ended. And so, like, I've experienced that when I was 18, and so I can testify like, that baptism of fire is like that clean, like, burning away of sin. Uh, and, and even John said about this, about his reluctancy to baptize Jesus because he realized that he, he was a sinner and he needed a baptism of fire. 
But also it says, look what it says about here with, with, with what Jesus about, said about fire. He says, his winnowing fork, he says, I will baptize you with fire. And he says, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And as we go throughout Mark and you read the other Gospels, you talk, it talks quite a lot about wheat and chaff. And wheat represents God's people, people now Christians, uh, people who are following Jesus, who have submitted to Jesus. So the wheat is talking about Christ's followers, but the chaff is talking about those who reject him, those who don't believe in him, those who, who want to live and believe other things. And he says... Like, this is strong language, isn't it? Like, what he says. Because he says that those who don't trust Jesus for their sin, like, will stay with their sin. And because fire is meant to burn the sin, in eternity there will be a place of fire because God is, is burning sin. It's this element of burning sin. So that's, that's horrific language, isn't it? Like, but that's the truth. Like, if you're, if you're not a Christian... Like, this is not good news. Like, we want it to be good news, and the gospel is good news, but if you're trusting yourself, if you're trusting your own sin, like, this is God, not good news. So, because instead of God burning out your sin now, it says that you will burn with your sin forever. Like, that's what it's saying. That is strong, isn't it? Like, that's very strong, but that's what it talks about. And, like, if that's you, like, please consider this we're not doing this to kind of scare you into the decision like god loves you jesus came for you for that not to be your future like he loves you and he came and died for you for that not to be the outcome but it's this element of the baptism of fire burns sin and he wants it to take away now but that's what happens if people trust their sin rather than trust god but finally on this part like like i said when i was 18 God's fire burns sin out of my life. Yet sadly, there's areas of my life still, or even since then, where sin has come into my life. And it hasn't been burned out. And it's there, and it's in my heart. And, and so I rejoice for the, him taking those other things out of my heart, but I know there's still other elements in my life that it sadly is still there. And if that's you if, you, if you just acknowledge, actually, yeah, there's still sin in my life that I've loved God to burn out. Like, we're just going to pray right now. Maybe just put your hand on your heart if there's something on you right now. If it's not, don't put your hand on your heart. That's fine. But if there is, put your hand on your heart, and I'll pray for us with this. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you so much that we're made right because of you, because of what you've done, and because of who you are, and because we're simply trusting you, and that you've given us your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, so much for the fire that has burned sin in this room, Lord, for people who've been set free, for addictions that have been burnt out, the things in our lives that have been burnt, burnt away.
But Lord, you see our hearts, Lord. You see our minds. You see our actions, Lord. And we just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, will you send fire to our hearts, Lord? Will you burn up sin in our hearts, Lord? Will you burn any habits or addictions that are not right? Burn them, Lord, please. Holy Spirit, cleanse our hearts, Lord. Lord, you say our hearts, Lord, is a place where evil thoughts can come and evil desires, and yet you want to dwell in our hearts. So fire, fall in our hearts. Lord, help us be holy as you are holy. Live lives in, in faith and obedience to you. Please, Lord, give away, take away any love of sin in our lives. Let your fire fall on our hearts and burn it out, we pray. So we can follow you more faithfully and honor you more faithfully. While still knowing it's all about you. It's be, we've been made right with faith in you, in who you are and what you've done. <coughs> Amen, God. Amen. And then finally he talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He always talks, in all the accounts, he says, he will come and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And it says the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus, like I said in Luke's account, descended like a dove in the form of a, of a man. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a person. And as we see here, it talks about Father, Spirit, and Son. This is the God one God in Trinity, Father, Spirit, and Son in action, saying, this is my Son. The Father says, this is my Son, whom I am well pleased. And the, and the Spirit falls on Jesus. So Jesus will baptize. He's, he's saying Jesus is going to baptize people, us, in the Holy Spirit. But, but what does that mean? What does that look like? And just to share my experience... I was brought up in a Pentecostal uh, charismatic uh, church, which I love, and all my family is still a part of that. And uh, they, they, this church believe and look to practice all of the spiritual gifts. And uh, when I was there, I heard some many amazing stories, healings, prophecies, uh, tongues, uh, and interpretations of tongues. And, uh, and I still believe all the, these things. I believe they're all for the church today, and my heart is to, to see them um, fulfilled in an orderly manner. First Corinthians 14, say, 39 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but every, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly manner. So that's my heart from that. Uh, and I've, my, personally, I've had many encounters with the Lord over the last 20 years. Uh, when I was uh, 21, one of those encounters resulted in me 
uh, speaking in tongues, a different language. Uh, other times, I just felt an overwhelming peace or a joy. Sometimes I just cried uh, and, and just kind of, uh, yeah, the Lord kind of brought healing internally in me. Uh, and so there's been many times over the last 20 years where I've had fresh encounters with the Lord and it's looked and reacted differently over those times. But talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit, even when I was brought up, some people believed that you haven't been baptized unless you speak in tongues. That was some, some of the chat that I was brought up. But then that's not true. And, um, and you realize as you read the Bible that God gives different gifts to different people for his church. He gives different gifts diff- to different people because they're all for his church. In 1 Corinthians 12, 29, Paul is asking them the question. He says, all, all of you are not apostles, are you? All of you are not prophets. All are not teachers, are they? All do not work in miracles. All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All don't interpret. Then he says in verse 3, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. So I, 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 you realize it's not about tongues. This is something more. This is something, not just a conversion. It can happen more and more as you go along. But what is baptism of the Holy Spirit? One of the best in uh, summaries I've found is from a guy called John, pa- bon, John Piper. Uh, and John isn't a Pentecostal pastor. He doesn't believe that all of the gifts are for, for today. He's a very well-respected Bible teacher. You've probably read one of his books or listened to one of his things. But he explains that baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every Christian in conversion. It happens in conversion. But also, there's much more to have for the rest of our lives. He's saying this isn't just a one-off act. This is for more and more. And let me just read this to you guys what he says on this. So this is what John Piper says. But also he talks about um, the question on his, on his website comes from asking about Pentecostalism as well. So he says this, what is common among many branches of Pentecostalism is not a singular view of baptism in the spirit, but rather a strong emphasis on the experiential nature of the spirit's presence in the life of the believer. I think this emphasis on the experiential nature of the Spirit is precisely why the movement has been so globally dynamic and effective. He says people everywhere, despite um, denomination, people everywhere are hungry for experiential reality. Amen? People everywhere are hungry for an experiential reality not just doctrinal facts or historical facts, which are affirmed with the mind. That's why Pentecostalism is exceeding the way it does, because they're right on this, he says. They're right to say that to have the Holy Spirit is to have a reality that one experiences. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13, Paul says, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body Though many are of one body, so it is with Christ. 
So this is, the, this is scripture talking about him. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 12. And he says, now I think virtually everyone agrees that Paul's understanding here of baptism by the spirit is the act by which the spirit unites us to Jesus Christ and his body, the church. In other words, he says, it's conversion. It's becoming a Christian. This is what it means to be a Christian, to be moved upon by the Holy Spirit in such a way that we are brought to faith and united to Jesus. But then someone asked, but then what does Jesus mean in Acts 1.15 or Luke 3, where he talks about uh, this part as well? He says, I think... When he says you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, he means you will receive extraordinary power for Christ-exalted ministry. Could anyone do with some of that power? I know I can. You will receive extraordinary power for Christ-exalted ministry. This is not for, to make us feel better or to just say, oh yeah, I had a really good experience. This is to receive power for Christ-exalted ministry. Now, that experience may come in an unusual or decisive experience after conversion, a day, a week, a year, or a minute, followed by subsequent outpourings or fillings or baptisms of the Spirit periodically through life. Or that experience may come at the very moment of conversion, followed by lifelong subsequent experiences of the empowering in this Holy Spirit. I think it would be a mistake, he says, is to limit baptism in, by, or by the Holy Spirit to a single second event after conversion. Even though you might experience one, that doesn't mean it's the normative way that baptism is to be understood. I think the kind of filling and empowering that we receive in such experiences are needed again and again and again in the Christian life. This is, this is someone saying, like, I think we need it again and again and again. Oh, we need it more. It is right, I think, to ask for a fresh baptism. That's the language of the Puritans. That's the language of Martin Lloyd-Jones. That's my language, he says, again and again. As I approach the pulpit and seek to preach, he says, oh God, I need a fresh baptism. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh filling. I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Luke describes being baptized with the Spirit in, as receiving power for witness in Acts 1.8. He's saying when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will have power so that you can be my witnesses to the end of the world. That's the immediate description of what's going to happen if you wait for the baptism. So it's an empowering for global Christ-exalting effectiveness. And he finishes off this. He says, I think every Christian should seek fresh baptisms in this sense again and again and again for effective ministry. Again and again and again for effective ministry. Can we get an amen for that? Amen. amen. I know that's what I need. 
I know that's what. If anyone, whenever someone asks me, it happened this week, and then pastors gathering, and uh, they say, um, they, we all share, and they say, oh, Matt, can we pray for you? I was like, amen. <laughs> like, I always, if someone wants to offer me to pray for me, or someone say, oh, can I pray for you to be filled with the Spirit again? <sighs> amen. Like, I'm here. And so this is what Piper is saying. He's saying to, for us to have this again and again and again. And think about it, as I, fi- as I finish now, think about it with water baptism and communion. Like, how many times does it ask us to be baptized in water? It's just once, isn't it? It just asks us to be baptized in water once. But then how many times does it ask us to take communion? It says every time when we meet until the Lord comes, doesn't it? It says be baptized in water once, but do communion every time you meet until the Lord comes. And some churches don't allow you to take communion until you've been baptized because they say every time you take communion, you're remembering your baptism. You're remembering the fact that you have died to Christ, that Jesus has lived, died, and resurrected. And so when you take communion... You, you don't have to go in the water again. You're remembering that one act. You're remembering it. And so you take communion with that. And so similar to the Spirit, when we are born again, saved, become a Christian, we are baptized into Christ. We are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Like water baptism, it's a one-off event. It's done. Like, it's a done deal. It's secure. But like communion, we're encouraged to keep going again and again. Like, so this is not like a salvation thing. This is like baptism is a done deal, it's sorted, but we're going to do it again and again until the Lord comes. Until the Lord comes. And so that's what we have available, is to, to be filled afresh again and again. And so... We're doing these mirror slides each week uh, after the end of the talk. And just to encourage you, if, you're not, if you haven't been baptised, then, then get a book. Get one of these after me. If, you, if you're not a Christian, like Tom of Fire, like get right with the Lord. Like get right. Uh, come and speak to us. We'd love to speak to you and, and, and share how you can do that and pray with you and how to repent and how to start this journey. But also... If you've, got, if you've got the Spirit already, get filled again. <laughs> like, don't, don't like, think back to when you became a Christian and say, that's it. You can, but if it's there, like, take it. If it's there, receive it. That's why we take communion. We continually do it to remember the Lord, to have that. And also, with baptism, we can continually ask and pray for one another. And as we come to communion... Uh, John's account, like we heard earlier in Jesus' baptism, it says, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we're not taking communion to be saved, are we? This isn't trying to be saved again. We're taking it to remind ourselves that we are saved that Jesus is good, that he loves us, that he's paid the price for us. And we take this in community to forgive one another, but we take it to remember what, he's de- what he did 2,000 years ago, 
but what he did for us. And so as we do that, as we're taking the bread and the wine, let's remember and do this in celebration of the Lamb of God. But also, um, but, but also, we'd love to pray for people this morning with his spirit to have power to minister for Jesus. And then that doesn't necessarily mean it's all about like ministering to Jesus, but like you might be dry right now. You might be in a hard place. You might have known the Lord for a long time, but you might feel quite distant. Like, then, then receive prayer. Like, receive prayer. And so as people come down for communion, you can see I've done this tactically as well, okay? You've all got to come down the front anyway. So I've got you. I've got you anyway, okay? But you've all got to come down the front. And I've, I've asked the group leaders uh, to stand on this side. So if you don't want to pray, like, that's absolutely fine, okay? I'm, I know I joked then, but that's absolutely fine. Just take it back. But if you would like prayer as you come down the front, then the group leaders are going to be here. And they're going to pray for you. And just, they're not going to ask you any questions. They're just going to pray for you. And the best prayer that I found with this is this. This is what I found. 